0: you are listening to the tales of grimoire turn down the lights grab a snack and listen Book One, The Lost God Chapter One, The Funeral It was a bad day for a funeral. The wind howling across the open plain blew freezing rain across Kimiko's path as she guided her horse solemnly onward. Her wet, morning kimono clung tightly to her skin, bathing her in the chill. She could hardly hear the steady footfalls of the procession over the storm, nor could she see Sakura leading the column. Even the tears falling in slow rivers down her cheeks were cold. Kimiko let out an icy breath and watched the crystals fade away into the heavy atmosphere. For just a moment, she might have sworn she could see the face in the fleeting cloud. All the faces. She shook her head to dispel them. A lock of hair came loose and slapped her cheek. She took a moment to gently tuck it behind her ear, only for it to fall out of place once more. The rainwater running down the strands mixed with her tears, and further chilled the rivers. Kimiko was not ashamed of crying. There was no dishonor in sorrow. She had cried often of late, and tears were always cold. When she was a girl, Kimiko had thought she would grow out of tears. She was destined to be a woman of power and prestige, feared and respected throughout Gahan and the world. She was destined to be a great warrior, revered for her skill on the battlefield. It is well known to little girls that great warriors do not cry. It is better known to great warriors that tears fall like rain. Kimiko, I have an adventure. Kimiko choked on her sorrow and shook her head once more to stop the voice. She could not bear it. Not today. Not today. I'll visit you tomorrow, Kyoko. The only reply was the continued downpour. It was somehow less comforting than silence. Water was beginning to fill Kimiko's boots. The icy intruder sloshed to and fro with each step. Kimiko's feet were slowly losing their life to it. With each step forward, Kimiko's feet were growing heavier. The solemn march was becoming a slog. Kimiko's mind turned to the last long walk she could not bear. A shiver ran down her spine, and her muscles froze as the memories flooded in. The cold, wet nose of her horse nudged at her back, pushing her onward regardless. As the party continued through the rain, the tree line began emerging from the gloom. It appeared through the swirling mists, first as a looming monolithic shadow, but slowly broke into a series of glum trees. Kimiko saw a shadow at the head of the party that she thought might be Sakura. A modicum of relief swept through Kimiko's mind at the thought of escaping the chill rain. She knew there would be no escape from the chill tears. As she approached the trailhead, Kimiko searched the gloom for the hitching posts. She spotted one and led her bone-white mare toward it. She secured the horse's lead and gently patted its snout. I promise, we'll be out of the cold soon. She turned and entered the forest path. The tree limbs overhead shielded this part of the trail from the rain and Kimiko took a moment to relish the relative warmth. The feeling faded fast as she was confronted with the atmosphere that had replaced the harsh, icy rain. The wind was whistling through the leaves, a constant cacophony of competing cries. The sound was not unlike hundreds of flutes playing clashing melodies. The air was filled with a thick, swirling a mist every breath bore an uncomfortable weight and there was something disturbingly alive about the mist the occasional drop that penetrated the leaves overhead created a lonesome solemn drumbeat as it hit the cobbles the drops fell at irregular intervals and set kimiko on edge The other mourners were only just visible as dark shapes creeping through the gloom. Every shadow seemed sinister. A wolf howled in the distance. Awanolu, master of life, please guide him on the long walk. The Mad Orchestra of Nature was the only answer to her prayer. The party was silent as everyone walked the path. Kimiko kept her eyes fixed on the uneven cobbles to avoid meeting the gaze of the mist. They walked for almost a hundred meters. The clearing was small. Densely planted sakura formed a ring no more than 20 meters across. Already they were losing their leaves, and rain fell heavily over the polished white stones that formed the labyrinth they surrounded. The party filed into the clearing and surrounded the labyrinth. Silence maintained its hold of the human crowd, while the mad orchestra of nature continued playing around them. Kimiko took her place near the labyrinth entrance and waited. She watched each icy puff of her breath and dreaded the faces that she knew would appear. No one. No one. No. No. The face would appear. She knew it would. The weight was killing Kimiko. The face would appear. She would see it, and it would see her. Why could they not start already? Sakura took the first step. And the second. Kimiko sighed in relief. As she finally began, Sakura's footfalls were deliberate and rhythmic, despite the irregular rainwater drum. She entered the labyrinth in silence, her ankles disappearing behind the low, smooth stones. She began walking the circuit. She went forth, only to loop back past the path she had just trod. She crossed to the other side of the clearing, only to double back again. Her grim expression never changed as she trod the convoluted path. Once Sakura had reached the halfway point, Mai started in. Kimiko watched carefully for her cue. Mai went forth and back, crossed and returned, Mai approached the halfway point of the knotted maze just as Sakura reached its center. Kimiko allowed herself a moment to watch Sakura kneel and deposit her offering before beginning. The water was still sloshing in Kimiko's boots, freezing her aching feet and damaging the careful rhythm she aimed to maintain. She entered between the lines of white stones. She stared at them as she progressed. The stark white color stood in contrast to the rich soil of the forest. The labyrinth was otherworldly, almost unnatural. It was a deliberate statement by those who built it long ago. The labyrinth had been here so long that the stones had been polished to perfect smoothness. These stones had stood vigil for millennia Uncounted, Those who put them here had long since vanished, all memory of their existence extinguished save for these enduring monuments. Kimiko liked to think the original creators of the labyrinth would be pleased it had become a part of the funeral ceremony. The last memory of a people long dead used to honor the memory of those recently to join them. Indeed, she took some small measure of comfort from the stones. Kimiko followed the convoluted but unbroken path that they presented. Between these two lines, no matter how they may twist, turn, or distort, only one path existed. The only entrance was the only exit. And all who enter must leave. Lost in her musings, Kimiko had lost all sense of her progress as well. She was startled when Sakura brushed past on her way to the entrance once more. Mai followed shortly thereafter, choking back tears and barely restraining her sprint. Kimiko was unsure if she was still crying. The rain was falling more thickly as she neared the center of the labyrinth. Her face was running with cold water, its source a mystery. Kimiko reached the center. She drew a deep breath. She knelt before the flat obsidian stone that served as an altar. With trembling fingers, she unstrung the linen sack from her obi. She unrolled it to deposit the bone fragments. Kimiko bowed her head and quietly whimpered as she finished reciting her poem. Her tremor had become so bad that she could scarcely get her hand into the remaining pouch at her waist. She withdrew the dried cherry blossom and placed it delicately upon the altar. Goodbye, Father. Kimiko could no longer control her emotion. Her shoulders shook violently as she released an aggrieved shout. Her breath came in ragged gasps as the rivers of cold tears grew. She shakily stood and turned back to face the labyrinth. She forced her frozen, aching feet forward step by step. Each and every motion took more strength than she thought she had left to give. She looked to the stones but could no longer find comfort in only a memory. Kimiko paused as she heard Satoshi approaching. She attempted to use her soaked sleeve to wipe the tears from her face, but only succeeded in wetting it further. Through clouded eyes, she could make out Satoshi's chair. She backed to the edge of the path to allow him enough room to pass. She began sobbing with renewed vigor as she thought back to his refusal to let her carry him to the altar. She should have insisted. He should not be exerting himself so much. Kimiko reluctantly resumed her progress. She passed her stepmother shortly before reaching the entrance. Her face was suspiciously dry. Exiting the labyrinth, Kimiko took her position in the circle, and waited for the other mourners to make their journey. She watched as, one by one, each person solemnly made this journey. Her breath was ragged and strained. Her face was still bathed in the chill. Her heart was still rent. Kimiko stood in silent agony for over an hour. The shogun's funeral had drawn many mourners. Kimiko watched as the last mourner exited the labyrinth. She tried to control her breath for what was soon to come. After a silent beat, the older men began chanting. Shortly after, the younger men began singing in low, throaty tones. Their grim song was an entreaty for Arwanolu to guide the deceased on the long walk. It was supposed to be a hopeful refrain, but the ominous tune reverberating through the bare clearing sent chills down Kimiko's spine. Sakura was the first of the women to begin chanting. After letting her finish one verse alone, Kimiko and the other women joined her. Though now we weep, though now we wail, the night shall end and day prevail. For once at rest and once at peace, the soul shall walk and find release. Kimiko was losing her composure again. Every repeat brought a new wave of tears, and she could hear the voices ringing in her ears. The old men chanting, the young men singing, the cutthroats cursing, the bear moaning, the smuggler coughing, Kyoko calling. Kimiko dropped to her knees and buried her face in her hands. It was all too much. Everything all at once. The world and the past and the present and all on her shoulders. Everything was crashing down around her forever and always. The weight of every failure, every loss, every regret was crushing her. Why did they die? Why did they all die? She found herself shaking her head, violently whipping back and forth, desperately trying to dispel the voices, to banish the faces. She could hear and see every one of them. She could smell the blood and feel it running hot over her hands as it drained from her sword. She could taste the bile rising in her throat as she thought back to the mangled bodies and soulless eyes. She could scarcely describe the sensations as she stared into poor Kyoko's eyes. She refused to acknowledge the last body. Not him. Not now. Not ever. It could not be him. It should not be him. Why? Why was it him? Kimiko could feel hands wrapping around her sides. Someone was speaking, but Kimiko could not hear what they said. She could feel the arms moving up under her shoulders, attempting to guide her to her feet. Against her will, she found herself standing again. She attempted and failed to wipe away the tears and embrace her sister tightly. Sakura returned the hug. Kimiko collapsed into her arms and buried her face in her shoulder. The singing had stopped. With Sakura's arms surrounding her, Kimiko was guided back to her waiting horse. Every step was numb agony. She stepped away from her sister and wiped the tears with her wet sleeve, only to replace them with more freezing water. Kimiko slowly unbound the horse's lead from its post and gently patted the great beast's snout. She deftly pulled herself into the saddle and oriented her steed back toward Daikyo. The world from horseback seemed so much smaller. Some of the weight was lifted from Kimiko's shoulders as she surveyed her domain from atop Nozomiko. The road was faster on horseback, But the rain stung just as hard. Try as she might to shake the memories, the last body was still weighing heavily on Kimiko's mind. She could still see his face clearly in her mind's eye. His smile, his eyes, everything exactly as it was before he left her. Before he died. She had not seen him in death, only his ashes and bones. In its own way, it was worse than seeing Kyoko's body. Kimiko could still see that, too, Sakura riding back from the river, a cloth bundle fastened to her saddle, Sakura crying as she ran to father and mother, father peeling back the cloth and shouting at the gods, Kyoko's eyes staring lifelessly, from her bloated face. It was horrible, but it was closure. I will visit you tomorrow, Kyoko, I promise. The walls of Daikyo appeared suddenly from behind the sheets of rain. No fires burned atop the ramparts, no beam of light fell upon the brass mirrors, no bells heralded the arrival of the Shogun's family. The walls were dark and lifeless in the storm, the white-gray stones impossible to see until one was already at their feet. Sakura led the mourners through the open gate and into the labyrinthine streets. Kimiko guided her horse back toward the palace on instinct. She knew this labyrinth inside and out. This maze was home. The guardsmen held the gate open at the castle's outer wall while the procession entered. Kimiko and her siblings split from the main procession and approached the royal stables. She slid off her mount and handed the leads to a waiting attendant before rushing to help Satoshi. His handler carefully let him down into Kimiko's arms. She held him tightly as they watched the attendants reassemble his chair. You were very brave today, Satochan. No, I wasn't, Kimi, he answered softly. Why do you say that? Satoshi hesitated before answering. I cried in front of father. Kimiko shook him gently. There is no dishonor in tears. I cried. My cried. Do you think we feel shame? Do you think father thinks less of us? Satoshi hesitated again before answering, What about Sakura? She didn't cry. She spent all of her tears twenty years ago. I flung squid at her hair during a state dinner, right in front of a daimyo's son she fancied. She bawled her eyes out for a week. She must have run out then, because I haven't seen her cry since. Satoshi laughed for a moment. Kimiko allowed herself to smile. Hers faded when his did. I couldn't kneel, he said. That doesn't matter, said chan It does, he shouted. You're supposed to kneel. I can't even do that. Father understands. Father understands that I'm his most disappointing child. I can't swing a sword, I can't work a bow, I can't I can't ride a horse and I can't even I can't even kneel, Satoshi ranted. Kimiko held him closer. "Hey. Look at me. You are not a disappointment to father. He loves you dearly and always has." You were the first person on his mind when the castle was invaded. Before he gave any other orders, he dispatched guards to your room. Because he knew I can't defend myself like you and Sakura can, he spat. Because you are precious. To him. And to all of us. You cannot swing a sword or work a bow, but you are his son and our brother, Satoshi. He loved me because it was his duty, he returned. He loves you because you are a good son. Do you think any of us can recite the Teikoku Monogatari from memory? Do you think any of us could make Mother cry with a painting? There are so many things you can do, Sato chan All of them better than working a sword or a bow." Satoshi fell silent. After a beat, the attendants motioned for Kimiko, and she released him into his chair. She began pushing him toward the open sally port. The long stone tunnel beyond led upwards toward a familiar portcullis where Sakura and Mai would be waiting. She hoped Satoshi might give her an indication he had believed her, but no such offering was made. They reached the portcullis in silence. Kimiko felt uneasy in the chasm. It was wrong without father. They passed the Grand Hall, where he should have been entertaining the funeral guests. They passed the Tea Room, where he should have been drinking with his wife. They ascended to the Second Level and passed his Throne Room, where he should have been arguing with Daimyo. They passed his Study, where he should have been smoking and reading. They ascended to the Third Level and passed his Bedchamber, where he should have been meditating. Kimiko's mother was waiting for them at the altar room. You weren't at the funeral, Sakura noted quietly. I didn't think he would want me there. He welcomed me in the castle for the sake of you children, but there was no longer any love between us, she answered. Sakura nodded solemnly. Mai rushed forward and embraced Mother. I have prepared the room, she offered while patting Mai's shoulder. Sakura nodded again. She slid the door open and entered. Kimiko followed with Satoshi. The altar room was lit warmly, dozens of bone-white candles glowing brightly from the walls. The polished obsidian of the altar shone brilliantly, offering a stark contrast to the dour gray tablets covering its surface father's tablet had been laid flat next to a small box of incense. Sakura stood the tablet upright next to Kyoko's. She took one stick of incense and lit it on a nearby candle. She gingerly placed it in the burner set into the altar. Mai slipped into the room and did the same. Kimiko let go of Satoshi's chair and felt her head spinning. The gentle perfume of the incense and the warmth of the light were painful contrasts to the ice within. Kimiko thought she was going to be sick. She swallowed the rising bile in her throat and grabbed a stick of incense. It lit quickly in the candle, and she released it next to her sister's offerings. She returned and wheeled Satoshi close enough to light and release his incense. What now? Sakura asked.